Well, good morning, Eastview family. So glad that you guys are with us. There's no place on earth I'd rather be than here with the family of God, worshiping our God together. And uh, let, since this is Servant Sunday and Serving Sunday, let's just give a hand to all of our musicians, Matt and the band. Thank you guys for serving us in this way. Uh, and if your family or friends are visiting here today, maybe you're watching us online for the first time and you're brand new at Eastview Christian Church, here's what you need to know. All those words we just sang, we believe them. We believe that they're true in the name of Jesus Christ. And so if you want to know who we are, that's a little bit of a taste. We're going to get into the Word of God in Exodus chapter 28 here in just a few moments. But if you're visiting today or you have a need, you want to connect with Eastview Christian Church, just text hello to that number on the screen at any time, not during the sermon, but any other time. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, if you would, just go ahead and text. We want to get to, uh, to know you, connect with you, and start the journey together. Um, hey, y'all, I'm building an ark. Are you guys, I mean, the last two days, I'm building an ark. Anybody want to go? Okay. I've got eight seats. <laughs> and you have to come in pairs. But Bible jokes are the best, right? I heard the price of gopher woods way up at Lowe's this week. But anyway... <laughs> Oh, you know what the greatest thing is? I entertain me. <laughs> Let's get to the sermon. I got some serious stuff to say today and some really important stuff for us from Exodus 28. Have you ever heard someone say, I was made for this? I was made for this. It's usually a realization. They're in the middle of something that they're doing that they think they're pretty good at. I've heard, I've heard sports athletes say it. I've heard coaches say it, teachers say it. I've heard pastors say it. Maybe you've said it before. I was made for this. It's that realization that I'm in the right place doing what I should be doing. Sometimes it can be a praise to God. It's actually a, a glorifying to God saying, God literally made me for this. I'm created to do this. I can't take any credit. On the other hand, sometimes it's kind of braggadocious, right? It's like, I was made for this, like all the other people who were not made for this and lost, right? And so it can come across in those two kinds of ways. But here's what I want to think about today, and if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, this is a very important question for you as well. What were we made for? What is, what is, what is the purpose behind life? What is it that would make all of us in here say, and maybe watching online say, I was made for this. Today we're going to get at that because we've been following along these last weeks, and this is the last week in the series called Royals. We got it from this passage. You are a, a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If nothing else during this series, you should have almost memorized that verse by now. We are a royal priesthood. And what's really cool about that is that you and I can learn from the Old Testament priesthood. Here's, here's the question for us today. Why would God go to the trouble to make us a royal priesthood? Why did he do it? Why did he send his son, die for our sins, rise from the dead, give us hope, give us his spirit? Did he do it just to, just to say, hey, good, we're royals, and we can brag about it, and we can walk. I was made for this, we might say. Um, what was a royal actually made for? We've studied through this whole series, and, and again, if you haven't seen it, go online. You can, you can uh, watch these sermons on demand, these whole services on demand, uh, connect this whole series together. But we said the first week, God clothed priests. He, he gave them special clothes. But did he give them special clothes just so they could strut around and go, look at my fancy clothes. I was made for these. All right? 
He set them apart. He consecrated them. He anointed them. But did he set them apart just so they could be a spiritual elite, kind of in the Old Testament, walk around going, I'm super spiritual. I was made for this. Um, He also gave them the privilege of making sacrifices and offering prayers for the people. Did he make them that so that they could simply go around and say, I get the best job in the world. I was made for this. Is, Is that all there is to being a priest or is there something more? I believe that there's something more. And if the making of an Old Testament uh, priest is a picture of what God has made us royals to be, then knowing what they were made for can help us walk away today with a holy, I was made for this. That's the goal. Let's walk away today and go, I was made for this. And, And by the way, it's so good to see how God answers prayers. I get a prayer answered every time I come up to preach. I've been praying for you all this week. I don't know who all is going to be here. But when I get up to preach on Sunday, I go, oh, that's who God had in mind when I was praying about you. And I believe he's got a message for you, you here and you online. I believe that he wants you to walk away today saying, I was made for this. I have one simple verse and one simple phrase that's going to guide our entire time together in the Word of God. In fact, fact, you'll be able to memorize this point of the sermon that is the main point as we read through this. So don't blink. You'll miss it. I just did the blink thing with my hands. I don't know what that is. Don't, hi, how you doing? Good to see you. All right. Distracted my hands over here. Okay, Exodus chapter 28, the word of the Lord. Let's get serious about this because this is the living word of God. Exodus 28, verse 41. And we're talking about the close, the, the priest close. It's kind of a summary of our whole series. Exodus 40, 41, or sorry, 28, 41. And you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him, and you shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them, here it is, that they may serve me as priests. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us today. God, we, uh, all of us, maybe in our jobs, maybe in our relationships, maybe in our homes, families, neighborhoods, um, giftedness, Uh, All of us kind of long for this place to say, I I was made for this. And and, uh, we live in a world where so many people miss it. I I would just guess there's people here right now that are hearing the word of God going, I don't know what I was made for. I pray that you'd help me to declare that today through Jesus Christ and that people would find in Jesus the purpose for their lives. And I pray that you would move in a powerful way, God. I pray that you would do what only you can do, touch thousands of people in thousands of ways in a way that I can't, by the power of your spirit and the resurrection of your son Jesus in his powerful name. God, I ask all these things, and I expect you'll do it in Jesus' name. Amen. There it is. Did you get that? That's the whole sermon. That they may serve me as priest. That they may serve me as priest. That they may serve me as priest. I was going to say it seven times, but you guys will think it's obnoxious. The reason I was going to say it seven times is because seven times in the book of Exodus, and only in the book of Exodus, we find this phrase, that they may serve me as priests. It's as if God, over and over again, by the way, those, in your notes, I have all those places written down. It's as if God has this holy reminder to the priest. Hey, you're not priest so you can look cool. You're not priest so you can have a connection to God that others don't have. You're not priest just because you want to be holy. 
You are priest. Here it is. You are priest so that you may serve me. You may serve me as priest. Over and over again goes this refrain throughout the book of Exodus. And so let's just start there. Why, are, why did God go to the trouble to make us royals? Well, to serve as priest. And of course, that's lived out first and foremost in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. We can learn a lot about what it means to serve as a priest in the Old Testament. You guys know this. In our verse today, he accomplished this through his high priest, Aaron, and his sons. What's the tabernacle about? The tabernacle is about God's holy tent coming to live among us so he can be in our presence. And he said, okay, if I'm going to live among you, y'all are going to have to be holy. And I'm going to have somebody lead you to holiness. Aaron gets to be that guy. Aaron and his sons, as we read in this verse, Aaron, uh, the brother of Moses, and the sons are the ones that, that get to do this serving. But here's what's really, really incredible to hear. Though it's a high honor, it was never about the priests. The priesthood, this is going to sound weird to y'all, the priesthood is never about the priests. The priests were only there to serve a higher, greater name, and that is the name of God, Yahweh. In fact, the word serve me as priest, and again, you're going you're gonna to walk away amazed. Don't try this at home, that I can turn one sentence into 35 minutes, but we're going to try to do it today. You look at that word, to serve me as priest. In our language, it's all those English words, but it's actually just one Hebrew word, and it's actually a word that's related to being a priest. The word priest and serve me as priest are actually almost identical in the Hebrew language. If we really wanted to translate this, we would say it this way. We would say, priests were made for priesting. Which is to say, the whole idea behind the name of priest is that they're serving, that they're going to do something in the name of God and for God and for His glory. All we've discovered about the royal priesthood in this series is true. God clothed them with special clothes. God ceremonially set them apart, consecrated them. God gave them a privileged position of interceding for people to God. By the way, last week, over 500 people texted in for our prayer. and We prayed over all of them this week. All right? So if you feel prayed over this week, praise God. We're a praying church if you want to know what we're about. But in the end, none of this stuff was about the priest. Yes, when you looked at Aaron, you looked, man, those are cool clothes. Man, he's super spiritual. Man, that was a great prayer that he gave at Tabernacle today. But it was never about him. It's always about serving God. As a, as a matter of fact, did you know that, that, that there was more service behind besides what they did? There was a whole tribe of people. You might know this, but Aaron was the high priest, but his family, the tribe of Levi, the Levites, that's why we have the book Leviticus, uh, they were also made to serve. They were, they were literally a whole tribe of priests. Besides the upfront and visible service of the high priest, this priestly tribe served in hundreds of behind-the-scenes roles, and, and I've listed some of them here for you. It's in very small print because I'm actually also doing an eye test for you today, okay? Just kidding. But I just want you to see all these things. These were the Levite duties. These are the ways that they served. We can tell in the Bible these are the ways they served. They assisted priests. Okay? They assisted priests. You can't just show up and just start slaughtering animals and putting them on. Somebody had to get everything ready. They, this this uh, power, uh, passage from Chronicles says they baked the showbread. I bet they had a secret recipe from Aunt Miriam that was a perfect uh, recipe for the showbread. They baked the bread. They had the flour. They had the oil. Everything had to, somebody had to get that stuff. Not, they weren't seen. 
behind the scenes, but somebody had to do all this stuff. Somebody had to take care of the court. We see in, in the scripture, another place in Chronicles says that they were in charge of cleansing the holy vessels. So, so somebody asked me this week, um, actually, uh, Vicki Bennett and her girls texted me or actually sent me an email this week saying, we were just talking about all the blood and stuff all over the, I mean, they're sprinkling blood here, splashing blood there, throwing blood there, burning up animals. Who's cleaning this mess? The Levites. Somebody's got to come and clean this up. Somebody's got to make sure that all the stuff is, you know, shiny and golden and new. They packed and they moved the tabernacle. You see that there. Uh, We're told in Numbers 7 that they actually had six carts with two oxen each that were made for packing all the stuff. I hate moving. You hate moving? Oh, gosh. Can you imagine packing up that tabernacle all the time? Here we go, man. Here we go. I wonder if God ever is like the pillar of cloud. Every time it moved, they had to move and follow it, right? I wonder if he ever moved it 20 feet. You gotta be kidding. I thought we were going somewhere farther than this. But somebody was in charge of taking this whole thing apart and putting it all uh, back together. There were temple guards and gatekeepers. There were musicians. I love this. In 1 Chronicles 25, we get a list of all the musicians. And and I love this because a major part of our worship and serving at church is uh, we have musicians. They had 288 that were a part of the worship team at, um, at First Christian Church Tabernacle, right? And so 288 compared to probably 100 uh, or so that we have here, volunteers and staff. And even one of them, Asaph, was a psalm writer. Treasury and finance, they were taking offerings all the time. Who's going to care for all that? Who's going to count all that? Who's going to manage all that? Levites. Officers and judges, who's going to decide cases? Who's going to hear people's prayers? Who's going to... The Levites. See, here's what's amazing. Most of these were unknown, obscure, and unseen the only way you'll ever know any of these people that I just listed for you is if you go to First Chronicles, I double-dog dare you, and read their names. They're there, but you don't know them. Nobody says, when I want to, who's your favorite person in the Bible? You don't list their names. I can't even come with, up with the one off the top of my head. And here's why, because the truth is, Eastview, the church, and the Old Testament tabernacle are a lot in this you see people all the time when you come and visit, or maybe your first time, and you see me on the stage preaching, you see musicians on the stage leading, you see people leading us in communion, and, and you go, oh, that's Eastview. Listen, behind the scenes, this is, not, this is not Eastview. Most of what happens at Eastview is outside of here, outside of this stage. It's made up of thousands of people that carry on the ministry of Eastview Christian Church. It wouldn't be possible And it's just kind of my way of saying, thank you, volunteers. Thank you, servants. Thank you for all that you do here. (laughs) Nikki's clapping because she wants to recruit you. (laughs) Okay, so I might have to get a security guard over there for her in just a minute. But but let me just mention, so I just started, listen, literally in my office, I just started jotting these down on a whiteboard. Here's the ones I came up with off the top of my head. We have graphic artists to make stuff look cool here. We have food pantry stockers. We have prayer teams of all kinds. We have baptism towel washers. We have brat and hamburger grillers. We have restroom cleaners. We have Cafe 19 servers. We have financial advisors and counters and investors. We have parking lot attendants. We have somebody to organize pizza with the pastor. If you came today and I was in charge, you'd just be pastor. Somebody's ordering pizza. Somebody's putting it together. 
right? We have online hosts. We have curriculum writers. We have book um, editors. We have videographers. We're now hiring one, by the way. Videographers. We have IT program, programmers and research assistants and administrative organizers and referees for sports outreach leagues and nursery toy cleaners. We have nursery toy cleaners. We have special need ministry buddies. And we have info center attendants. We have songwriters and arrangers. We have bass players and drummers. By the way, today's bass player and drummer, husband and wife. Pretty cool. We have a card ministry. We have a sewing circle that sews all kinds of stuff for all kinds of needs throughout this community. We have, we have food preparers. We have security teams. We have greeters. We have social media teams. We have lighting and sound technicians. We have chair stackers. We have trash taker outers. We have Eastview kids, teachers, and student coaches. I could go on. But guys, we're surrounded by people who are serving in the name of God, the church of Jesus Christ. Let's give them a hand. Maybe it's you. I promise you that if I get up here to preach or these guys got up here to sing without all of that, you wouldn't hear it, you wouldn't see it, it wouldn't sound good, it'd be a dirty, filthy mess, you wouldn't be in a place that's air-conditioned this morning. Y'all be like my, my parents back in the olden day with one of those funeral fans just going, <laughs> you know, a funeral fan because you're getting ready to die. <laughs> Sad hot. A lot of sermons on hell during those, those summers. Anyway, but this is, listen, if, you, if you're asking me why am I listing all these things, this is what royals were made for. Not to look good, not to be Christians, not to have an Ichthus fish on the back of the car, not to wear an Eastview t-shirt. We are made to serve. And that carries on into the church. We serve as priests in the church. See, if we're, if we're a bunch of royals, and the church is made up of a bunch of Christ followers who are royal in the name of Jesus Christ, a royal priesthood, then we are a place where service happens. And royals are not like the Old Testament. Here's the cool thing about us as royal priesthood. We have something that Aaron never had. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. He had the prayers. He had the sacrifices. He had the ritual. He could follow all the laws and all the rules, and he did. But he did not have the Holy Spirit of God living in him to guide him and to make him into a servant. And did you know why the Holy Spirit's in you? Yes, there are many of reasons the Holy Spirit's in you, to guide you, to, to you know, pray for you when you can't pray, to encourage you, all those things that the Holy Spirit does to empower you. But you know what he also makes you do? He makes you become a servant. That's what, he, that's what he's there for. And this is an important biblical teaching because there's a new and unbiblical kind of message out in the church world on social media um, that, that the church shouldn't be in, inwardly focused, that everything we do should be out, 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 go, 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 serve, 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 out, out, out. But the truth of the matter is, here's what's biblical. In passages like Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12, and a, a one I'm going to look at here in just a moment in 1 Peter 4, all of the Every time the list is given of the spiritual gifts of the church, the people of God, you know who it's supposed to be used on? The church. We're supposed to serve one another. I know some of you have gifts that go inward and outward, but the truth is some of us only have a gift that serves the church, that nurtures the people in the church. And guys, I believe this is important because serving one another, other Christians, is how the church is built up and encouraged and healed and trained and inspired and equipped. If you take away us serving one another, none of those things happen. And we're released on the world. If the church was only and always giving and going, 
we'd be sending a lot of unprepared, injured, exhausted people into the world. We need each other. The Holy Spirit's gifted us to do this. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 4.10. As each has received a gift, what do you do with your gift? Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Steward what the Holy Spirit's doing in you, and you steward that by serving one another. That's why I'm never ashamed to say, hey, y'all, sign up for stuff. Sign up for serving. We need workers in the Eastview kids. We need workers in high school. We need, I, I'm never ashamed to say that because the Holy Spirit lives in you, has gifted you so that you can be stewards of God's grace. Because we're here to serve one another. Listen, just as every Levite had a service to do for the function of the Old Testament tabernacle, every Christ follower has been given a Holy Spirit gift to serve the one another's in the church. It's that important. Galatians 5.13 is another scripture says, through love, serve one another. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in just a moment, but you know the example was set by Jesus. That's why in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and following, uh, Paul is writing to this church in Philippi, and he's going, hey, I'm not just making this stuff up, guys. Each of you should consider the needs of others before yourselves. Each of you should consider the other more important yourselves. You should serve. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Have this same mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I'm going to get back to the example that Jesus set in just a moment. Guys, I want you to hear this. First and foremost, we are called to serve one another. I, I, I would give a testimony about this old 56-year-old preacher from Indianapolis that I have, been, I have been influenced by thousands of servants that have brought me to this point. Even today, there are people serving so that I can do what God's called me to do. I couldn't do it without them. And church can't do it without you. We need to serve one another, but we're also made for something else. What are we made for? For service. We're made for service in the church, but our service goes beyond serving one another. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes what we do. It becomes who we are. But you're asking me today, should I serve at the church or should I serve in my everyday world? Yes, you should do both because servants don't discriminate with where they serve. They just serve. They just say, you know what? I'm a servant. And we're going to see that example from Jesus in just a moment. But what I want to encourage you about, did you know that there is eternal purpose? Some of you here today are worried about what your purpose is. You're bored. You're tired. You're like, what is life all about? Life is meaningless, especially after this last year that we've had. Many of you are going, I don't know. Let me help you know. You were made for service. And when you serve, you do something eternal that God prepared for you. Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 10, one of my favorite verses of all time. For we are his workmanship. In other words, he made us priests. We're created in Christ Jesus. Look at this. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Servants, priests, royals. We serve every minute of every day because every good work was something that God planned beforehand, that you would do it that I would do it. You see somebody broken down on the side of the road. You see somebody crying in public. You see somebody with a need financially. It's your job to do the work that God called you to do. I'll give you a sneak peek into next week's sermon when we start a new series about our witness. It always makes uh, next week's preacher a little nervous when I start talking about the verse they're preaching from. I might steal some stuff. We all steal from God every week when we preach, by the way. <laughs> But Ben is going to be with us next week. He's going to say, you're the light of the world. 
Matthew 5, 16. He's going to teach us that you know how we really make an influence in people with our witness? We serve them. We do good stuff for them. We love them. We see their need, and we meet that need. Twice in Paul's writing to his son in the faith, Titus. You know, Titus was on the Isle of Crete. And I don't know what was going on in the book of Titus, but in the, end, in the last chapter in Titus 3, Paul twice says to Titus, listen, I need to remind you what we're about here. In Titus chapter 3, verse 8, he says that those who have believed in God may be careful, listen, to devote themselves to good works. And then almost at the end of the letter, he says, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. It was important in the first church. And it's important 21 centuries later for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ to serve. And still, the story is not over because the Old Testament guys, they were made royal priesthood to serve. Those of us in Jesus Christ are made royal priesthood to serve, but it's all possible because of another priest. I want you to, to, to notice today to serve as priest is all accomplished because Jesus served as priest. In fact, you probably should do this. There's only one priest, singular. Only he can do what he did so that you and I can do what we do. Our high priest came to love us. He came to die for us. He came to save us. He came to clothe us with new life. He came to give us hope. He came to set us apart. He came to give us purpose, as I mentioned earlier. But he is the one who fulfilled all of this servanthood stuff. He came to do all that stuff, but he did it by serving. And and he fulfilled everything that, that we've talked about today, that we've talked about the last four weeks. You want to be set apart? You want to be a priest? You want to go before God into his presence? You want to be dressed in new clothes? Then you have to know Jesus Christ. And if you're here today, maybe watching online or you're visiting with us today, we're glad you're here. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're missing this integral part of knowing what you were made for. You can't know it. You're not going to find out purpose without Jesus Christ. And so here it is, it's fulfilled in him. And if you're taking notes, you can write these things down. If you're not, you can just listen. But there are three steps that Jesus took to be the high priest example for us. The first one we find in Philippians 2, it says that he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. First step to servanthood is empty yourself. Get over yourself. Be done with you. This is not about you. Now, now you're going, well, that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I bet it's harder when you're God (laughs) to get over yourself. But that's what Jesus did. He did not hold equality with God. I mean, being God is something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He emptied himself. And and then, not only do you empty yourself, but you take a stature, you you take an attitude, a servant mindset. So here are the two ones. I've made three different terms up. Empty yourself and then have a servant mindset. That's what Jesus did. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What did Jesus come for? He came to serve. That's what he came for. So he could serve you and I in a way that we never could on our own. See, we often come to be served. We sometimes come to church to be served. We walk into a restaurant to be served. We walk into a place in public to be served. 
Hey, I'm the most important customer here at Walmart. Pay attention to me. I don't go to that God-forsaken place, but unless I'm FaceTiming my wife going, okay, aisle 11, she's pointing me down the way. But we come, into, we come into our culture and we say, serve me. Somebody do something for me. But Jesus didn't do that. He didn't come to earth and say, hey, I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now serve me. He came to serve and to give his life. Hebrews 10 tells us a third thing. Offer your all. See, every priest, here's how Hebrews 10 uh, um, summarizes this. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. here's, Here's the path of servanthood. Empty yourself, have a servant mindset, and offer your all. If the Christ that we fearlessly follow took on flesh and blood so that he could serve us, then how much more should we serve him as we're gifted by his Holy Spirit? God calls us to be like his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why we do sermons like this. And it's not hard. We don't have to sit around. Listen, I don't throw a dart at a dartboard and go, I wonder if I can find a place where it talks about servant. It's filled. The Bible's full of serving and service. And that's what the people of God did. That's what the Old Testament priest did. That's what the people in the New Testament did. That's what our Lord and Savior did. And so what I'm trying to do is Hebrews 10, 24. This is what we're trying to do today. We're trying to stir you up to love and good deeds. Stir one another up. The Bible says that that's what we're supposed to do. We challenge one another. The reason we show this video is because you should look at this video that we showed today and say, I can do that, or I can do something else. There's a place for me. I've got a purpose here that's useful to this congregation, and you do. So I'm trying to stir you up. There's currently a need for workers in the service industry. Have you noticed this? All the help wanted stuff. I mean, some of y'all, <laughs> some, of, some of our restaurant owners in town are going, yes. Please apply. There's a a shortage of volunteers to serve. And I believe, yes, it's a result of where we find ourselves economically, but it's also a result of a culture that says, I don't like serving. I don't like doing stuff for other people. This is a read on the culture that we're understaffed at restaurants. How many of you guys have gone to a restaurant this last couple of weeks and you've had to wait longer because they don't have enough wait staff or servers? But that's true in the church as well. Let's don't let this permeate the entire culture. Maybe you're off of COVID and you're tired and you feel useless and you don't know if you have anything to offer. I promise you there is a place for you to serve at Eastview Christian Church. Let's don't take the world's attitude of, I'm not going to serve, into the church. The church was made to serve. Serving is what God made royals to do. So today we're stirring you up to service and good deeds. I'm going to encourage this again in two months on Vision Sunday and then a couple of weeks into our all-church study, and we're probably going to hear about servant three or four times throughout this summer. But we want to stir one another up to love and good deeds. Can I, can I give you some encouragement as to why it's so important that we serve? There are, there are three realities about serving. Number one, when we serve, we serve Jesus. Did you know that? Ultimately, no matter what your task is, no matter who you're serving, no matter what your gift is, whatever you do in the church, in the name of God, through Jesus Christ, you're serving him. I'm not making this up. Jesus gives us this scene in Matthew 25, 40, the day of judgment. As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. I'm not changing the diaper. 
in the nursery? Well, that's Jesus' diaper. I'm not teaching these kids. That's Jesus as a kid. I'm not going to hang out with teenagers at the camp all week. They smell bad. That's Jesus smelling bad. All right? I'm going to stack chairs. You're stacking chairs for Jesus. That, that's what this whole thing is about. He serves so that we can serve, and somehow he turns it into us serving him. So when we serve others, we serve Jesus. When we do good works for others, we live out our faith. The big debate in James 2.17, he says, faith without works is dead. In another place, we know that Paul says, Paul is teaching, oh, no, works don't mean anything. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. And a lot of people want to make this a theological debate. Is Paul right? Works don't matter. Or is James right? Works are everything. They're both right. Turns out, the Bible's that, like that. Here, here's, here's the message. You are not saved by your works, but if you are saved, you're called to work. See, you, 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 never, you can never do enough things around the church for God to go, oh, special child, come in. And that's not going to happen, okay? But you can, in the name of God, because he's saved you and given you example of servant, you can work in his name. If you're saved, you're called to work. James says, if you have faith in Jesus, you're going to work. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of words. The third thing is, it's counterculture. When you serve others, you're on the path to greatness. Did you hear this? This Jesus' early disciples, so if, you, if this is new for you and you don't quite get it yet, or you're still learning, join the crowd. I'm in the same boat. Peter and James and John couldn't get it either. They kept debating on who is the greatest, who's the best, who's the number one in Jesus' kingdom. And he says this in Matthew 20, verse 26. You can just see them going, it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. You see the countercultural reality? We live in a world that says, hey, listen, let others serve you, get in a place of authority and power where other people have to do what you say. But Jesus says, no, that's not, that's not how we roll as royals. We serve. And we become great through service. We become number one by being slave to everyone. There are many ways that a church can be thought of as great, great music. You know, you think about this. You say, that's a great church. Most people are talking about the music's great. Sometimes people are talking about, you know, the children's programs are awesome. Some people say, oh, the student ministries there are fantastic. Sometimes you just look around and say, man, there's great people there. There's a great staff. Or the fellowship is really awesome. Or they got great coffee there. The cookies and cafe 19, that's holy. It's a great church. There's actually people who might even say that there's great preaching that makes a church great, right? But my hope and prayer is that Eastview is a great church, honestly. And I believe all those things I just listed. I think we have great music, and I think we have great servers, and I think we have great people. I think we have a great staff. I think we have a, a, just a great fellowship. But, but I want to be different than how the world measures greatness. My prayer and my desire is that we are great by Jesus' standard that Eastview would be recognized as great by how we serve. Wouldn't it be awesome? They said, Eastview is great. How do you know? They serve. I want Eastview to be recognized as being number one because we always become last. Wouldn't it be great? How, why do you think Eastview is a great church? Because they always just take the last position. 
that our reputation would be one that we are servants of all. Why is this a great church? Because no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, we are here to serve you. And that's what we're trying to do today. Tyler's going to encourage you in a few moments to get serving. Royals, let's get great at serving others. After all, we were made for this. Amen.